I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. Uh, so much has happened since you and I last got together here on this radio program. Let me tell you how today's show is going to go. Consider it like a big meal. Uh, we have some vegetables to eat. We have some dessert to get to later. Uh, and we, look at it just that way, okay? And I need your help right now to prepare the dessert for later. Here's what I'm getting at. I want to talk to you later, just after the 2 o'clock hour, about the silver linings that have come about as a result of uh, our practices these days, the things that we are doing to combat the coronavirus. I want to talk, like I said, about the silver linings. I had an experience myself, uh, which I, and I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but I had an experience uh, on Friday that will that will likely stay with me for the rest of my life. I got to witness something, a milestone in the life of my little baby Piper that I would not have been able to witness were it not for uh, this social distancing and the encouragement from uh, folks to stay home, stay safe, save lives and all that. So uh, I am a firsthand witness to a silver lining. I'm going to tell you that story just after two o'clock, but I want to hear from you. Maybe it's a new way you're interacting with your family. Maybe it's a, a new way you are interacting uh, with coworkers or or you are taking care of your own physical or mental health, who knows, whatever it is, whatever your experience has been, if you would consider that a silver lining, I want to hear from you, or at least a positive, a benefit, uh, some good to have come from this coronavirus and how we are combating it. If you wouldn't do, if you'd do me that favor, I'd be very grateful. Let me ask you to send me a, a voicemail, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, the number to call uh, for the comments is 801-575-7668. Uh, write that down for me, uh, 801 575-7668. That's for the dessert section of today's episode of Live Mike. If you don't want to leave a voicemail, feel free to send a text to the Utah Community Credit Union text line. That's 57500. 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Later on in the program, we're going to talk about the silver linings, some of the benefits, some of the good to have come about uh, due to the way you and I uh, have agreed to combat the coronavirus. Now, uh, I said or I invited you to consider the episode of today's program, episode 94, as a, as a big meal. We've got some meat and potatoes and some vegetables to get through uh, before we get to the dessert. And the, the meat and potatoes of today's episode has to do with what took place Saturday night. The uh, Republicans and the Democrats here in the state, they got together in a virtual way and they uh, selected via their convention uh, those individuals who, who will be participating uh, in, the, in the primary uh, races or uh, those who will be sent directly to uh, those who will be sent directly to the the general election ballot with the nomination of their party. So uh, I want to start off uh, for the next two segments talking about the governor's race. Uh, we're going to hear from as we start the program here today. We're going to hear from uh, Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox, who's running for governor himself, as well as former governor of the great state of Utah, John Huntsman Jr. Uh, we're going to hear some of the words they shared this morning on KSL News Radio. And in the next segment, we will hear from Greg Hughes and Thomas Wright. We'll continue to cover the rest of the uh, races throughout today's program uh, with a break for the dessert, as I said, the silver linings and such like that. But let's get right to it. This morning, 
on uh, Utah's morning news, uh, Tim and Amanda had the opportunity to speak with two uh, of the candidates who will be appearing on the primary ballot on the Republican side of things. Both these individuals running for governor, as you well know, Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox was the first one. And the question that Amanda uh, had for Spencer Cox right off was uh, after a big win over the weekend, uh, she said, I imagine, <laughs> I imagine you're pretty pleased with that. Now, uh, she's referring to the votes cast by delegates and how uh, when all was said and done and tabulated, it was a Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox who came ahead uh, with the, uh, the largest uh, percentage of, of votes. Uh, now, not, not over 60%. And for you smart folks, you know what that means. It means that he uh, will continue uh, or will have to face the second most vote getter in the convention uh, of, of Saturday and will not uh, take the, the convention win outright. Uh, as would have been the case if he had secured uh, 60%. Anyway, that's for nerds uh, like me. Amanda this morning asked uh, Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox, uh, uh, you pretty pleased with the results of the weekend? We're very happy. I, I, in fact, I think we're, we're one of the, the only candidates ever at a statewide election to have been able to gather all 28,000 signatures. We were the first to submit those. And then to actually win at convention um, was just a huge night for us. And we're grateful for the delegates who showed that uh, they would support a positive campaign instead of the, the negativity that we see far too often in our politics. I have, uh, me personally, attended a number of uh, both Democrat and Republican conventions in the, uh, you know, the old conventional way of handling things in person where all the delegates get together, where all the candidates get up on stage and deliver face-to-face -face a speech and where they spend all morning uh, electioneering and campaigning uh, at their various booths. And if I'm honest, I have seen some contention arise. I have seen bickering, uh, pretty heated bickering between uh, candidates and their supporters. And Amanda this morning asked Spencer Cox whether the convention was contentious and how it compared to previous conventions. There were definitely those candidates who who, uh, who went negative and, and tried to make it contentious, but by and large, I, I think it was it was better this time around. Uh, probably because uh, of the way that it was it was handled, um, we we all got to submit our videos and and really show our best side and our best ideas. But but of course, campaigning was so different. You know, I, I haven't been able to campaign at all. Um, I'm so grateful for my running mate, Senator Deidre Henderson, who stepped up and and uh, really carried the load over the past five or six weeks. Now, Spencer Cox, as you well know, has for the past little while been the head of the governor's task force uh, on the, the, to combat the coronavirus. It is under his direction that folks come together and that we get information and that the state uh, goes to work, goes to battle against the coronavirus. Amanda asked him a very uh, relevant question, asked if he felt, Spencer Cox felt, like he had an edge with him leading the pandemic effort here in the state. It's certainly an edge, but, but it's a double edge. And uh, uh, not being able to campaign is, is certainly a disadvantage uh, as, as much as we had planned or, or hoped to. But look, uh, you know, I'm still the lieutenant governor, and, and that's where I swore an oath to do that job first. And uh, that has to be more important than any campaign. And, and that's where, that's where the, the primary focus has been for us. But we're excited to get Utah back to, back to business and still keep people safe. And, and hopefully that gives us a little opportunity to reach out and campaign as well. So so that is uh, what we had to hear from Spencer Cox as he joined Utah's Morning News this morning. Later on in their program, John Huntsman Jr. joined them. And uh, just to, to catch you up to speed here, on Saturday night when the 
uh, when the votes were tallied. Uh, John Huntsman, if he had not secured a position already via the signature gathering route, uh, John Huntsman Jr. would not have been uh, appearing on the primary ballot. Uh, the, the delegates did not cast their votes uh, in a sufficient number to uh, give him or grant him a spot on the ballot via the convention. Uh, he did secure a spot on the primary ballot via signature gathering. And Amanda asked if he was disappointed with how things shook up uh, in the convention. No, the convention for us was not a significant thing. We didn't even get a chance to place our own candidates for delegate in uh, the mass meeting, which was canceled. So, uh, I, I, you know, that's a backward-looking indicator. The only thing that matters right now is who is best positioned to manage us during the greatest crisis this state has seen in 100 years. That, that's the bottom line. Politics uh, matters very little. We're beyond politics. We're beyond the political games that people play. This is about people's uh, ability to pull us out of a hole and to manage the way going forward based upon experience, leadership, and a network of contacts, both statewide, nationally, and internationally, that will help the state and help people who are now in a state of despair. That's the only thing that matters, and we will either win or we will go down uh, trying the best uh, uh, to our ability to make sure that uh, we, we position the state in order to succeed economically. The primary election, which will determine which candidate for governor will receive the Republican nomination, will take place on June 30th. Between now and then, much must happen. Amanda asked how you can move forward as a candidate if you can't get out and campaign like usual right now. Former Governor Huntsman answered this way. Thank you. Know, politics is about the heart-to-heart, mind-to-mind connection. And when you're not able to do that in person, it becomes hard sometimes to close the deal. That's what makes politics great, at least our form of politics. And so you use the airwaves to the best of your ability, you use social media to the best of your ability, and that's kind of what we're left with right now. So that's a look at how things uh, turned out for two of the candidates, uh, Spencer Cox and John Huntsman Jr. We're going to take a break right now, and when we return, we'll be speaking to Greg Hughes and Thomas Wright, uh, two other names that you will see on the Republican uh, ballot uh, for the primary nomination here in the state of Utah for the office of governor. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. Time is very tight. We have some important conversations to get through here before we hear from state epidemiologist Dr. Angela Dunn. Uh, For the first portion of today's program, we've been focusing on those four candidates that have emerged uh, and found a place on the primary ballot uh, here in the state of Utah on the Republican side in the race for governor. On the line now is uh, Greg Hughes. Uh, Sir, how are you? Good. Feeling good. How are you? I'm, I'm hanging in there. Uh, it, it was uh, exciting to watch how things transpired on Saturday. It was uh, I, I felt a little bit nostalgic. I felt bad that we weren't all gathered together in one of the convention halls uh, uh, like in years past, uh, and yet uh, things turned out uh, remarkably smoothly as, as they uh, transpired and as the results were revealed. Now, your success on Saturday evening was unique. You uh, you did not participate in the signature gathering uh, side of things and instead put all of your eggs in the convention basket. Uh, how do you feel I things did. went? 
I was very happy. I'll tell you, Lee, when I did that, no one told me that, oh, Hughes, by the way, when you sign up to earn your keep and, and get to earn the support of delegates, you'll never be allowed to be in the same room with a single delegate. Didn't see that part coming. Okay, so, you know, you want to have a high information election cycle. And uh, as, as you as this rolled out, you know, we had to self-quarantine. You couldn't you couldn't meet with delegates face to face. And so you had to figure out how to do it over the phone and, and through video. And we were fortunate. We did. But I still have I'm a person who appreciates and likes that energy you feel in, in a town hall meeting, yeah. as well as uh, just, I don't know, it's just, it's who I am as a person, uh, more so than even a candidate. So that was, that made it a little tougher for me. I wasn't admitting it while we were in that election <laughs> cycle. I wasn't going to yeah. admit that. I did, I did say it was tougher, but I didn't, I, maybe I wasn't as honest about how uh, much I felt that was hindering my ability as a candidate to not be able to be in the same room. Let me uh, ask you this. Let me it. ask you this. If you had, if you'd had a crystal ball, if you would have known that things were to shape up the way they did due to this coronavirus, uh, would you have taken the same route? That's a good question. I've actually thought about that. I, I think I would have, I think I still would have battled through the way we did, even if it's harder, because um, I've, I've just had this theory in my head that if I do have delegates, and I and I do take every question under the sun, whatever those questions may be, and delegates, you know, you could, they'll ask you a straight question, and you can either answer it directly, uh, you can try to guess what they want to hear and try to answer it that way, or you can be evasive. And delegates are pretty good at, you know, sniffing that out, and I like that. That is that's my favorite cycle is when you're able to be asked all those questions and answer them honestly. And I, I, I just fundamentally believed if that was not a successful election cycle for me, it just doesn't get easier for me as a candidate in the next, you know, in the primary and onward, because these are, you know, it's a tough race. It's a deep pool of candidates. It's, it's a tough race inherently. Yeah. So I was comfortable going that way. But I think a lot of my friends, they came clean after we got out of that convention. I had a lot of friends that said, Hughes, when we heard you wouldn't be able to be around delegates and be in their company. We didn't. We didn't think you'd make it. We thought that your your greatest asset was taken from you, in terms of being in the room and being able to personally communicate. So uh, they were. I, I was surprised how how surprised <laughs> everyone yeah. was. But uh, but no, it was good. We were really really happy. It was a it's a it was a different type of cycle. And some people even told me some delegates told me that they were actually able to. They felt like they were able to get more information about delegates or from delegates because they could listen in on a zoom conference yeah. there were some that we recorded on facebook they could go back and listen so I, I don't know that the high information part was uh less but i'll tell you when you answer a question and you can't see someone's eyes roll in the back of their head or their nose squint because they don't like what you said or their head shake in agreement it does make it a different uh way of communicating as a talk radio guy myself, I can understand exactly that frustration. It would be a much easier job if I had an audience here in front of me for me to play off of. Uh, our, our guest is our guest has been uh, Greg Hughes, former Speaker of the Utah House, uh, has found himself a spot thanks to the convention on the primary ballot, uh, which comes up uh, that election on June 30th, uh, and I'm sure we'll be speaking to the former Speaker uh, again plenty of times before then. Uh, sir, uh, grateful to you for your time. Uh, congratulations uh, on how things shaped up for you on Saturday. Lee, thank you. Thanks, uh, thanks for the discussion. I appreciate it. 100%. Uh, we're going to shift gears here uh, pretty dramatically, speak to another candidate now. Uh, Thomas Wright uh, has gotten himself via the signature route uh, position on the uh, on the primary ballot, uh, which will that election will take place on June 30th. Uh, and he joins us now. Thomas, sir, how you doing? 
Good, Lee. How are you? Thanks for having me on. No, it's my pleasure. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, a convention likely did not shape up the, the way you had hoped. Uh, w- what does that mean to you, and what does it teach you uh, about now, uh, or at least the time between now and June 30th? Well, we were thrilled with the outcome. Congratulations to the people who did well. Um, you know, the thing was, Lee, is I haven't been the chairman of the Utah Republican Party for eight years. There's a lot of delegates, you know, that's a long time ago, that don't know Thomas Wright. And as the outsider, as the only person that hasn't spent his career in politics, I worked hard to try to meet as many delegates as I could. And, you know, it was overwhelming. The ones that knew me from my time as chairman, uniting the party during a really difficult time, listening to different sides and points of view and being respectful to people, they were really supportive and they really appreciated me running. But in the, in the pandemic era, when you're trying to connect in Facebook and Zoom and telephone, it's really hard to meet you know, 80% of the 4,000 people in yeah. three weeks. And so, you know, the people with higher name ID that have spent their career in politics um, had, had a little bit of an, an advantage on me. What was the strategy to, to claim the nomination between now and June 30th? Just, get, just continue to get my message out and have people meet me. Uh, I, I hear overwhelmingly, I've, I've had a huge response this morning, that we need a business person, somebody that comes from the private sector to lead us out of this pandemic. Uh, I built my business during the Great Recession, so my leadership skills were forged during tough economic times. I know how to make hard decisions, and I know how to rally in the private sector. And more importantly, you know, the next governor is going to have to make some really hard decisions on budgets and cuts. And who better to do that than somebody from the outside who's never held public elected office, who doesn't owe anyone anything. I don't owe anyone anything. I've not been involved. Uh, nobody, no, nobody's helped me get where I am, so to speak. I haven't made past votes or decisions that encumber me. I can go in on day one looking out for the citizens of Utah without any of those entanglements. All right. Uh, we just have one minute left. Uh, let me ask you the final question, <clears throat> and it's about the execution of the convention. Uh, do you think we learned some lessons this year that may be applied uh, to future conventions? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like the world's changing rapidly in this really difficult time. I hope everybody's doing well. It's, it's a tough time right now. But we've adopted technology in a rapid fashion. I mean, look, four weeks ago, no one, none of us had ever really been on Zoom. And now everybody's on, and my kids are going to school on Zoom, and I'm doing business meetings on Zoom, and we're holding elections online. We've adopted technology so rapidly that, yeah, it's absolutely proven that we can engage more of the 700,000 voters earlier in the process during the caucus convention system. All right. Thomas Wright, grateful to you for your time. Congratulations on, uh, on your spot on the primary ballot. Uh, and I'm sure you and I will be speaking uh, again many times before June 30th and well beyond. All right. I would look forward to it. Thanks, Lee. All right, sir. You take it easy. Uh, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we will be standing by for the press conference, uh, the daily press conference hosted by state epidemiologist Dr. Angela Dunn as she gives us a situational update on this ongoing pandemic and shares with us some of the new numbers today. Very, very thankfully, we did not wake up this morning to learn that there had been more Utahns to, uh, who have lost their lives due to the coronavirus. There have been some movements in some of the other numerical categories. Dr. Dunn explains that all next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Grateful to you for tuning in today, episode number 94. We are today, of course, uh, after Saturday, we are covering much of the much of the information revealed by the two uh, major political parties here in the state of Utah. They each had their conventions. Uh, they each uh, electronically uh, hosted those conventions, collected votes, and ultimately in the evening of Saturday revealed uh, the results of those delegate votes. And uh, the, as you know, the, the way things work here, 
Uh, for the most part, in the convention setting, if you secure a certain percentage of the votes cast by the delegates, then you, again, at least on the convention side, you can secure outright uh, the, the, the victory uh, in that setting. Now, there were many candidates who uh, did not secure the, the requisite percentage to uh, move on alone, and they will continue to compete uh, with members of their same party to uh, secure the party's nomination for uh, the, the, the nomination, and that will come up uh, later in June, and that will go on. Uh, but there were some, as I mentioned, uh, who were able to pull it off in one shot, uh, on Saturday, one such candidate who was able to, after securing 88 uh, percent of the vote, uh, Democrat Chris Peterson, running for uh, governor, uh, joins us now. Uh, sir, how are you? I'm doing OK, Lee. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm delighted to appear on your show and speak with your listeners. L- let me ask you this. Talk to talk to me and the, and the listeners about your experience on, on Saturday. H- how did you feel things went uh, in terms of the technical side of things? You know, we're in uncharted territory here. I'm not sure that uh, here in the state of Utah we have ever faced uh, a convention like this in the face of a pandemic, and so many uh, changes to the process were required, and uh, they seem to have come off pretty successfully over the weekend. How would you feel things went? Well, I can only speak for my side of the aisle, but I have to say that the Democratic Party leaders did a fantastic job. Everything was smooth, uh, and there hasn't been any uh, disputes or problems that, that has evolved. We were really careful to make sure that the ground rules were all laid out in advance, uh, and everybody's cooperating, and, and I'm, I'm actually really quite proud of what a good job that uh, our party has done. So I also will say I'm, I'm quite gratified at all uh, with all the support uh, that we, we received from our party. I feel we have a pretty firm mandate to go forward and present a reasonable and moderate vision and perhaps an alternative that I'm hoping will appeal to some moderates and Republicans that are, if they're willing to give us a chance. The way results were revealed and how information was shared by uh, the Democrat Party chairman uh, was via a a Zoom call of sorts. And there were a number of candidates, uh, including some members of the media, uh, all in this big grid. And, uh, you know, we were from home able to to watch in on that. Uh, Do I remember correctly you had someone sitting with you there? Oh, yeah, that was my uh, 10-year-old daughter was uh, joining me. You know, she seems to be interested in politics and uh, uh, it's been actually pretty fun for me to, to involve my family. My wife, Tara, and uh, my sons, Sterling and Andrew, uh, have all been joining in and helping me out of my campaign. So, uh, and, and she, was, she was coming along for the ride there a little bit in that announcement. That's a pretty special thing. Now, you, the next step will be to compete against whoever receives the nomination on the Republican side. What is your strategy moving forward, sir? Well, I think that Utahns may be ready for a change. I know it's been decades since uh, Utahns were willing to put a Democrat in the uh, uh, governor's mansion. And, and it, it, so it's some, with some real humility that I approach this race. But I'm asking folks out there to, to give me a chance. I, I, my goal is to try to promote a reasonable, moderate message that will be focused on ethical government and you know, trying to do simple things that we can 
all agree on, like good government and trying to resolve the coronavirus crisis efficiently and effectively with scientific evidence and reopening our businesses as quickly as possible, but in as safe a way as possible. Also focusing on things like reducing air pollution, making sure our kids get high quality education. And you can count on me to be reasonable on all the hot button issues uh, that everybody is going to try to portray me as, uh, you know, as, as part of the larger National Democratic Party. I'm a Utah Democrat. I believe in teamwork and, and uh, working across party lines in an ethical way. Uh, let me ask you this real quickly, and I should have asked you this earlier. You were in a field of six when you were competing uh, for the party's nomination, the Democrat Party's nomination uh, for governor this past weekend at the convention. Uh, you were able to secure 88.4 percent of the vote. That's on the first ballot. That's uh, uh, quite a feat, and that means that the remaining five candidates who were competing alongside you, uh, that's it. That's the end of their race. Do you have a message to, to share with them, or you have any words you'd like to share with them? I do. I, I appreciate uh, all of the candidates that uh, were willing to put their hat in the ring. It's a pretty scary thing to do, to, especially in a time like this, to, to put yourself and your family out there. We ran a good, clean race on the Democratic side. We debated the issues. Uh, and, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I'm gratified that the delegates saw me as the best uh, person to carry a message forward for the Democratic Party. Um, I couldn't I couldn't get all the votes, but but I, I got pretty close, and I'm, I'm I'm pretty satisfied and grateful. So thank you to the other candidates, and thank you to my supporters and all my volunteers and to the Democratic Party. We're looking forward now to November. We're going to fight the best fight that we can, uh, and I'm hoping that folks will give us a chance. All righty, we'll leave it at that. Chris Peterson, uh, Democratic nominee for governor here in the state of Utah. Sir, I'm grateful to you for your time. Uh, congratulations on your victory. I'm sure we'll be speaking again soon. Lee, I hope so. Thank you for your journalism, and, and thank you for listening. All righty. Uh, listen, I've got a few minutes before I need to take a break. I want to uh, share with you something. It's a little awkward. Um, I Going back to that last segment uh, where we were talking about silver linings, one, one thing that I've been doing personally is uh, I've been running a lot more. I, my, my physical fitness has improved uh, in the midst of this coronavirus. Why? Well, because I do need and enjoy a, a break from being locked up here in the guest bedroom broadcasting all day. Uh, and I, I miss uh, the outer doors. And I've been doing each day uh, a few miles. And I, while I've been on the trail, I've been listening to uh, another radio station. I know I should, it's probably unwise of me to uh, to advertise uh, another radio station here on KSL News Radio, but uh, I'm sure you're aware there's a, a company that owns a number of radio stations here in town, and uh, the company that uh, that owns KSL News Radio also owns uh, a classic rock music station, the Era 103.5. And I have been uh, the past few times I've been out running, I've been listening to uh, the Era again 103.5, uh, and it is a wonderful break from all of the issues that I need to cover uh, as a talk show host, the, the heavy, uh, difficult topics uh, of the news day. Uh, part of my duties is to report how many people have died each day. That breaks my heart. I need an escape, and I can find that escape uh, listening to the era 103.5, Santana, Foreigner, uh, the Doobie Brothers, music like that is all available to you there. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful station uh, which offers wonderful, wonderful escape from uh, some of the more difficult things you and I are enduring uh, right now. So that's my pitch to a competitor. Uh, I know it's an awkward thing, but, uh, but I have gotten a lot 
uh, from the wonderful music they're playing, again, over at 103.5 uh, The Arrow. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, uh, interesting guests we'll be speaking to. If you were listening to the governor's press conference on Friday, he announced the expansion of the coronavirus task force to include a laser focus on the experience of minorities and multicultural groups here in the state of Utah. We will be speaking uh, with Nubia Pena, the director of the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs. Uh, she will lead uh, this new branch of the Coronavirus Task Force, and she will be my guest next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.